the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Staggerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre-recorded. $58,000 a year. That's what it would cost to send your son or daughter to um, Carnegie Mellon University. And if that son or daughter was lucky enough to be taught by Dr. Uju Anya, he or she could claim to have been taught by a winner of a very prestigious award. And now it's time for the Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. Uh, that's right. Dr. Anya was a late entry, just made a national name for herself yesterday because of this tweet. Quote, I heard the chief monarch of a thieving, raping, genocidal empire is finally dying. May her pain be excruciating. She's talking about Queen Elizabeth, of course. Uju's students are, here, are learning all about something we talked about here on Wednesday uh, with Mary Graybar, uh, 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 an historian and an author. It's called Presentism. That's when historians judge the actions of people or countries hundreds of years ago using present-day standards. Her family is from Nigeria. Nigeria was a British colony. Queen Elizabeth oversaw, actually, Nigeria becoming independent, and she had nothing to do with whatever Uju was upset about from a couple hundred years ago. CMU condemned what she said in the tweet. Uju deleted it, but she says she's not sorry for what she said or tweeted. Here's how she described, here's how she is described, I should say, on her website. Quote, <clears throat> A researcher in applied linguistics, critical sociolinguistics, and critical discourse studies primarily examining race, gender, sexual, and social class identities in new language learning through the experiences of African-American students. Her other areas of inquiry include applied linguistics as a practice of social justice and translanguaging in world language pedagogy. Would you like to sign up for a course with her? Maybe that doesn't convince you to pay $58,000 for your son or daughter to be taught by her, but how about being taught by the AM 1250 The Answer Jerk of the Week? And uh, when we come back, a black political science professor and author from Kentucky State University will be here with a little different perspective on all that. And in our second half hour, Selena Zito, she's in to talk about the latest in the Oz Fetterman campaign. Stick around. midterms may be the most important election in the history of our country. The battle lines are drawn. The war for America's soul is on the line. Now is your chance to help freedom win. Join Salem Media Group and this station for the Battleground Talkers Tour coming in October. The best minds in conservative media and thought will dissect the coming election. Learn who's on the right side. Join us for a vigorous discussion about the issues that are so crucial to you, your family, and community, the economy and inflation, the border crisis, our civil rights under attack, higher taxes, and the effects the Biden administration is having on this country. The Battleground Talkers Tour will be something you never forget and could make the difference in this coming election. Join us. Wired Differently presents Gallagher, Hewitt, Prager, and Tatum. The Battleground Talkers Tour. Thursday, October 20th at the Doubletree by Hilton and Greentree. Tickets at TheAnswerPTH.com. Sponsored in part by Hagerman Law. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes. I'm Cologuard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. 
It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive result should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay zero dollars. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you. Or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in. Hi, I'm Jackie Dorman. Are you longing to find your soulmate, but you're tired of online dating, singles ministries, blind dates, or even being set up on bad dates by well-meaning family and friends? If none of that's worked for you and you have no idea how to meet marriage-minded men or even truly Christian men who will seek you out for a lasting, committed relationship without the head games, then I invite you to join me in my free Married in 12 Months Challenge. Look, there's nothing good or sacred or even noble about sitting in the waiting room. So in this challenge, I'm going to teach you why now is your time to find love. What are the lies that are holding you back? Why God wants you married? the biblical law of attraction, and the tools you need to become a bride. Don't wait any longer. Just sign up for my free Married in 12 Months Challenge today at lovestories.com and you can step into the love story that God has already written about you. That's lovestories.com. It's no secret, America. We've been let down. Inflation is taking its toll in the grocery stores, the products we buy, and the pain of every visit to the gas pump. At Upside, we're fighting back with our free app that pays you back serious money on every tank of gas or diesel, up to 25 cents per gallon, just for using the Upside app, no strings attached. Upside users have already been paid back a total of more than $250 million. With inflation and the soaring price of gas, it's easy to feel like you're losing control. But with Upside's free app, you can start putting money back in your wallet with every gallon. Whenever you want, cash out with PayPal, an e-gift card, or transfer the money directly into your bank account. Download the free Upside app and get cash back on every gallon of gas. Use promo code SALEM for an additional 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first fill-up. That's promo code S-A-L-E-M. Remember, use promo code SALEM when you download the free Upside app and get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank of gas. Cash back is not available in gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. This is the John Stockerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Well, by now you've heard of the uh, a tweet put out yesterday by a CMU linguistics and a black studies professor named Uju Anya after hearing of the death of Queen Elizabeth. In case you missed it, uh, what she tweeted was, I heard the chief monarch of a thieving, raping, genocidal empire is finally dying. May her pain be excruciating. Now, Anya comes from Nigeria, I believe, so one of the many places on the planet colonized by the British over the last several hundred years. Wilford Riley is a political science professor at Kentucky State University, the author of Taboo, Ten Facts You Can't Talk About, and Hate Crime Hoax, How the Left is Selling a Fake Race War. And he joins us now. Wilford, thanks for coming on again. I appreciate it. Yeah, Yeah, John, as as always, good to be on the show. So um, Carnegie Mellon condemned what she said, uh, but she still has a job. Now, you're a professor yourself. Uh, what's your response to CMU's response? Well, I, I think their response was actually pretty good. I mean, they issued a statement saying, well, we think this is an idiotic comment. We don't stand by it. Um, we're not going to fire someone with tenure, you know, upending our process and getting the AAUP involved. But we, we disapprove of this. I think that the only problem that if you're a mainstream sort of market conservative, you should have with that is the obvious double standard. I mean, this is someone who said right after the Queen of England, you know, beloved leader of our number one ally, died, that she hoped she was in agony. She hoped she went to hell. I mean, there's there a series of these tweets. And it's impossible to imagine anyone saying that about, say, George Floyd and keeping their job. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the one catch. But the, the response itself, I thought, was pretty reasonable. That, that, if anything, is how universities and businesses should respond to someone saying that they don't like someone, whether that's that's Ben Shapiro or that's Martin Luther King, in terms of who the who the target might be. Yeah, my reaction um, is pretty much the same. Uh, I, I I I have no patience whatsoever with people calling it a free speech issue. 
uh, and saying that she has a right to say that because of free speech. The Constitution doesn't give her any right to say anything uh, that the, uh, you know, it only gives her a right to say things uh, that the government can't stop her from saying. But Carnegie Mellon can fire her, and it's not her not violating her rights. But here's my thing about it. Um, Carnegie Mellon c- could fire her just for the purpose, just, just for the reason that they, don't, they saw what she wrote, saw what she tweeted, and they'd say, you know what, I just don't want, want this person around our students. I don't like what she said. Not because I'm offended by it, or, and, I, and, I, and it has nothing to do with her constitutional right to say it, but I really don't want anybody around who, who wishes excruciating pain on someone at their death. Yeah, I mean, well, this gets into the a whole complex issue. I mean, as someone who's been a boss, as you have with union and tenure contracts, I mean, in practice, if you sign a faculty tenure contract, that's generally uh, the expectation is that it's for life unless you become a drunk or something. It's generally for a set period of at least 10 years. You know, union guys, the same thing. It's almost impossible to fire union teachers, union auto right. workers. So there, there's some good to that. There's some bad to that. But it would have it would have involved a, a lengthy legal process for them to try to get rid of her. Uh, I, I think they handled it reasonably well. Uh, like I said, I'm fairly surprised that one of these far-left uh, mainstream universities actually came out and said, if you read through the, their full series of comments, I mean, no, Britain's an ally. We disagree with this. We staunchly mm-hmm. condemn this statement. It was stupid. Um, as ridiculous as it sounds in academia, that to some extent took some guts. I mean, this person is a professor of you know, black linguistics or something like this. I mean kind of one of the anointed in the academic environment. And the university just said, obviously, this is this is foolish. We don't want to hear it again. And we're not going to sue this person and try to get rid of her, but this we, we condemn these statements. And, you know, I, I think that's, that's pretty solid. It's fairly hard to get rid of professors, which is which is actually an issue. I mean, they're, they're political leaders like Ron DeSantis that are looking at the whole concept of tenure right now. Yeah, and, of course, I guess parents or students themselves have every right to not sign up for one of her classes after they see the tweet. Yeah, well, so. I mean, if I were, you know, I am entering that dad phase of life. I mean, you know, if if I were advising, you know, my son or one of my mentees on where to go to college, I don't, I don't think that, you know, the blackness of cultural voices or something like that would be a major I'd really recommend as opposed to engineering <laughs> or the law. Right. So I, I think that her classes are probably going to have a pretty – selected sample of kids in them like the majority of people in those classes are going to be upper middle class suburban black or white or foreign kids that are going to agree with her attitudes i Mm -hmm. I don't think this will change that one percent i don't think you're going to have a lot of you know ex-marines in that course in the first place well i haven't seen anybody point out including here locally and i i could easily have missed it but i haven't seen it that she collects a paycheck from a company or a school in this case that uh, has a campus in Qatar, you know, the country spelled Q-A-T-A-R, which is not exactly a model of human rights. She's happy to take their money, though. Well, yeah, I mean, so th- this actually, I think that this is a deeper and more interesting issue if you want to talk about hypocrisy or you want to talk about how little sense some of this makes. Uh, I, I think there's an interesting conversation to be had about whether the British Empire was even bad. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. of black, Irish, and native descent. And, you know, all three of those peoples were legendary warriors, but the, the living conditions weren't all that great prior to the, <laughs> the arrival of, of you know, the British flag. There's, there's a famous joke about this in the context of the Middle East. What have the Romans ever done for us from Monty Python? But, like, we can have that conversation. But even if you accept that colonialism was bad, the absurdity of this is this kind of provincial idea that colonialism and slavery were these sort of white practices that started about 200 years ago. I mean, the history of the world is military history to some extent. It's a history of conquest. You know, the great kings, the Ottomans, you know, Saladin fighting Richard the Lionheart, uh, whoever the Moorish general was that fought Charles Martel. This was almost all of human life, and there's still countries today with kings. I mean, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, I think, has an emir. Britain, for that matter, still has you know a reigning monarch. We just saw that transition. So, I mean, for someone to be working for, say, the UAE while criticizing colonialism, yeah, that's pretty rich. It doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, that, that's a collection of Arab kingdoms that make up the richest country in the world, where it's illegal to be gay. But generally with these people, you're not looking for a very high level of logical consistency. It's sort of, 
you know, almost Marxist advocacy that you, you get a lot of in those type of classrooms. Yeah, I, I guess conquest was kind of the way of the world for all races and nationalities until relatively recently in the history of the world. Yeah, well, I mean, actually, this is something that can be scientifically measured. I mean, without walking out too much. I mean, the rule of conquest, the rule that if you take over an area of land in a reasonably honorable war, there were rules of chivalry among white, Arab, West African, et cetera, countries, rape was sometimes discouraged. So, But if you win a war, you take over a country, and the majority of the time, you own it. This is something that the League of Nations recognized. The major black states like Ethiopia and Liberia, Asian states like Japan and China, all signed off on this idea, all fought wars of this kind until literally, I think, 1964 was when international law, quote-unquote, changed. So... This is actually a very serious problem, and we call it the context problem in political science and history. When people look at the past, you have to understand that the rules in the past were different. Otherwise, you come to the absurd conclusion that everyone was evil. You, I mean, you describe Abe Lincoln as the worst kind of bigot because he had attitudes on homosexuality, for example, that wouldn't be acceptable in the upper class today. But I think what any intelligent person has to understand is that everybody did. There was no gay rights movement anywhere in the world at that time. There was no women's rights movement anywhere in the world at that time. You know, I mean, my own Bantu ancestors were conquering their way into South Africa to fight the Boer. You know, so it's that was the way things were. And, you know, the Caucasians won many of these wars, lost some of them, and now we read about them in books. But to judge either Jefferson or Shaka by the standards of kind of a dorm room bull session today is is profoundly illogical, I think is a good way to put it. Yeah, I had uh, Mary Grabar on. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Uh, just a couple of days ago, she's written a book uh, debunking the 1619 Project, and she refers to it as presentism. And yeah, that's, that's, correct, a, yeah. that's a trap that historians fall into, and it pretty much destroys your credibility if you're afflicted with it. Yeah, it's important to recognize how critical this is. Like, I mean, slavery, for example, which we sometimes kind of provincialize, that's another one of these terms, is the great American spin, was without excusing or without excusing white or black slave masters, but was the kind of the great human vice from ancient Mesopotamia and ancient Rome. Rome sold millions of slaves, killed them in arenas fighting lions and so on, up until the modern day. So... I guess Grabar's already made this point probably, you know, at greater length and a bit better. But, yeah, to, to criticize everyone that held slaves in the past, which, again, would go from Jefferson to Tipu Tip, is to take a modern-day moral stance and apply it to people that didn't believe this at all. For almost mm -hmm. all of human history, it was just accepted that if your side lost a war, you were going to get beaten, let's put it politely, and then you were, you were very likely going to end up in a market somewhere or rowing a boat for, for your captors, either for you know a set period of years or forever. And, I mean, the Greeks right. would sort of darkly joke about this. You know, a man loses half his virtue at, at the time of enslavement. It was, it was a very common thing. So that, that doesn't make every ancient Greek or every one of their noble Persian opponents evil. It's just the way things were, for want of a, a better phrase. And the trick, I guess, was to not be conquered. That was that was the way to go. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that that's that, I mean that actually is the following joke. I mean that in yeah. the Greek thing, you lose half your your virtue at the time of defeat because the assumption was that you were going to be beaten up, possibly sexually abused, and then thrown on the other team's boat to row it for fourteen years. You know, so the way to avoid that that's actually asked in that dialogue, and the answer is, well, we'd better win the battle. So this, this, yeah. was, this was pretty much understood. And, I mean, there were, there were a large number of sayings about it. I mean, the Spartans used to say, come home with your shield or on it, meaning either win the battle or die. We don't want to have to go ransom you from the Persians or from the city of Athens or whatever at great cost. And that was, yeah. that was something that a, a young man would expect. Those were the three options. You know, you come home with your shield, you come home on your shield, or you are shieldless and defenseless. And that's the worst of the three. We're talking to... Uh... We're, we're, we're talking to Wilford Riley. He's a political science professor at Kentucky State University, author of Taboo, Ten Facts You Can't Talk About, and Hate Crime Hoax, How the Left is Selling a Fake Race War. I want to talk to you about the hoax, a couple of hoaxes here in a second. Before we get to that, though, 
Some more on uh, what happened here yesterday with, um, and I say here because CMU, of course, is in Pittsburgh, uh, with mm-hmm. Uju Anya. Uh, is it fair to ask her, or, or to just ask in general, where Uju Anya would be if what is now Nigeria had never been colonized or conquered or however you want to look at it? Yeah, I mean, so I think this is one of the things that people are very reluctant to say about colonialism. Now, first of all, the the civilized West African countries, Nigeria and Ghana and so on, we Americans and the world's leading nation tend to be very critical of other, you know, highly civilized countries. Those were developed places before the colonizers arrived. I mean, it was the Ashanti Empire. But the, the short answer is that the Ashanti Empire didn't have, for example, running water. You know, glass windows were pretty rare. I think the king had some. It was the, the takeover of these regions by more advanced countries to some extent that brought in modern democratic systems, parliaments, that kind of thing. It, it's very impolite to say that on a college campus, but it's obviously true. If you look at the stable African countries like Kenya and Nigeria, even today the judges in the courts wear these kind of fluffy white wigs. And that's because the justice system came down from Britain. There had been a justice system before that. It was fairly primitive, for want of a better word. And so they got rid of it, and they put in the judges in the silly-looking black robes, which aren't well-suited to the African climate. And, you know, the wigs with the hair of a different ethnic group in them and so on. And they, they kept that as a tribute. So the, the obvious answer is that the country of Nigeria would be maybe as well off, probably significantly poorer if it hadn't been for the arrival of the British. Also worth noting, by the way, the Ashanti were some of the greatest slave traders in history. I mean, they were those were the people that sold the slaves. I mean, when mm-hmm. you talk about how black Americans came to the USA, the answer is that powerful black slave traders, I mentioned Tipu Tip earlier, went on Razia, it was called, launched military expeditions into the African interior, won the wars against little local kingdoms, and brought the slaves back to, you know, Ashanti or Benin or one of these places where they were where they were sold to whites, to blacks, to Arabs. So the idea that this warrior people would have developed into a society as advanced as modern Nigeria or modern Britain that's at very least questionable. And the idea that they would have been any kinder to the people in their country than the British is just insane. So, again, um, there, there is not only presentism. There's, there's kind of looking at your group with rose-tinted glasses and the other groups with a scowl on your face that you see a lot of in black studies and so on. Yes, uh, we've got to finish up here. You wrote a book called Taboo, How the Left is Selling a Fake Racehorse. So while I have you here, I have to ask you about another major hoax that's been exposed. Right. Uh, the Duke volleyball story uh, has pretty much been just completely debunked. I didn't believe that one the minute I saw it. Did you? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. So I, I wrote Hate uh, yeah, hate Crime Hoax, uh, How the Left is Selling a Fake Race War. It's the first of my books. It's still, it's still online, still on Amazon, and so on. I encourage people to check it out. But the book essentially is just, without overselling, 400 of these cases from Jussie Smollett on down. And I asked the question, why do so many of these high-profile cases, I would say almost all of the biggest ones, turn out to be complete BS? Uh, this Duke volleyball case, I mean, I, I agree with you as kind of a cynical guy and also as a former athlete, someone who's been in a lot of gyms. I, I thought there was no chance that in one of those small volleyball gyms, because you're not talking about the BYU or Duke basketball arena, full of a bunch of people, including black and white BYU athletes, I would assume, that were there to see their girlfriends play, some guy could have just kept screaming profanity and racial insults for 20 minutes. I mean, the claim is that this happened every time someone served during a 21-minute set without someone trying to fight him or calling the police. It, it struck me as ridiculous. And when you looked at the stats for that player, who was normally very good that day, she had a terrible game, um, you know, asked to leave the game at one point. None of her teammates heard the slurs. You know, they, they took video footage of the arena. No one said anything. So it sounds a lot more like had a bad game in a hostile arena and said this and didn't expect it to blow up like it did than like anything that could even plausibly have happened at a major, you know, Power 5 conference school today. Not to me either, but um, unfortunately, the media bought it hook, line, and sinker. I, I got to go, uh, Wilford. I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about that maybe later on down the road, but I appreciate you coming on the show. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Bye. Okay. That's Wilford Riley, and uh, we will be right back. 
With SRN News, I'm John Scott. King Charles III has made his first speech to the nation as Britain's new monarch. Karen Chamas with that report. In a speech televised to the nation and streamed at St. Paul's Cathedral during a service of remembrance to the Queen, the King vowed to dedicate the rest of his life to serving the nation the way his mother had done before him. The King acknowledged the support of who he called his darling wife and also conveyed his feelings towards his youngest son. I want also to express my love for Harry and Meghan. At the end of his speech, the new monarch spoke almost intimately to his mother in a public and final goodbye. To my darling Mama, as you begin your last great journey to join my dear late Papa, I want simply to say this. Thank you. Karen Chamas, London. This is SRN News. The first conscious act in organizing our people is to let them know who they are. From executive producer Larry Elder and director Justin Malone comes Uncle Tom 2, a deeper look at the true history of black America. There is no country in this world that a black person would rather be, unless, of course, they grow up in this country. Black lives matter! Black lives matter! Uncle Tom 2 uncovers the Marxist plot to demoralize America using false racial tension to destroy capitalism, replace God with government, turning black prosperity, faith, and patriotism into a perceived state of discontent, victimization, and anger. There was an intention to use black people to affect change. They're fed a lie that is so deceptive, they actually believe the opposite of that which is true. Uncle Tom 2 with Brandon Tatum, Fody Bauckham, and Chad O'Jackson. Watch on demand or buy the DVD at SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Brandon Tatum doesn't see a fair fight. Why didn't we politicize the federal government and attack Hillary Clinton and all of the Democrats going after Nancy Pelosi? We, we, you know, it's funny because I get it that we're trying to play fair, but, but how are you going to play fair in a rigged game? How? Why are you trying to play by the rules and the other side... They, they didn't set the rules on fire and, and, and threw it off a building. The Officer Tatum Show, weeknights at 7 on AM 1250. The Answer. Whose rule book do you want to play by, the government's or your own? This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Without a proper estate plan, many families end up playing by the government's rule book and losing a lot of what they'd intended to leave to their families. That's why Abernathy and Hagerman presents free, ongoing estate planning workshops with attorney Dan Reimer to help you protect what's yours and make sure the government plays by your rules. The next one's happening soon. For details and to attend, visit a-h.law. My dog was scratching and shedding like crazy around the house. When I heard about Dynavite Nutritional Supplement, I thought, why not? couldn't hurt. We literally tried everything else. Our dog quickly took to it. And after a couple of weeks of adding Dynavite to his food, we noticed a big difference. Our little gizmo's coat was shinier, and he almost completely stopped shedding and itching. I can't wait to see how well it helps him with his allergies as the seasons change and he's in the yard more. I'm so glad I tried Dynavite. My dog smelled so bad and scratched herself constantly. We bathed, sprayed, and bathed her again, but no results. And then I heard about Dynavite supplements for gut health, and all of the reviews sounded just like my Bella. After just two weeks, she had major improvements with the smell, and no more scratching or dragging her stomach across the carpet. And her coat is more beautiful than ever. Happier, healthier with every bite. Over a million pets helped with Dynavite. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Well, late into this Friday, rush hour has not really improved. Still really tied up around the area. Parkway West inbound close to a 15-minute delay between Carnegie and the Fort Pitt Tunnel. On the inbound Parkway East, it's about a 10-minute or so delay Boulevard of the Allies to the Fort Pitt Bridge. About an extra 10 minutes as you approach the Squirrel Hill Tunnel on the outbound side. Outbound 51 slows Coleraine Street to Library Road. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. 
Weather. We'll see a moonlit sky for tonight with areas of late night fog. Expect a nighttime low of 62. Tomorrow, areas of morning fog, otherwise sunshine giving way to clouds, will reach a high tomorrow of 78. Tomorrow night, considerable clouds with occasional rain late at a low of 63. Sunday, cloudy skies with a couple of showers will reach a high Sunday of 75. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, we're about seven weeks away from Election Day, uh, and Election Day in Pennsylvania could very well decide who controls the Senate uh, beginning in January. Dr. Oz is everywhere. He's been calling out John Fetterman, who still hasn't proven that he can uh, put more than two coherent sentences together and has still refused to debate. Nobody follows this stuff more closely than Selena Zito of selenazito.com, the Washington Examiner, uh, the New York Post, and the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And she joins us now. Selena, thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks so much for having me. So did I hear that uh, Fetterman has finally agreed to debate and it's going to be on the morning of Election Day, like 830 in the morning, (laughs) something like that? Look, uh, 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 Pennsylvanians begin their ability to early vote. And what I mean by early vote is is they can get their mail-in ballots beginning September 19th. The show... Uh, in in you know in in all fairness, if you're going to hold a debate, it probably should happen before those first votes are cast. Right. However, uh, uh, Mr. Fetterman has has in principle agreed to possibly doing a debate. I th- I think there should be some clarification there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I, I don't I don't know if that is going to happen. The problem with covering John Fetterman is not his politics. It is his, the accessibility to information. So I just uh-huh. wrote a piece. I hope people read it at selenazito.com. That, that it's sort of a reporter's notebook piece. I'm sure, John, that you had to do that in your day covering oh, yeah. sports, where you give sort of a, a, a blow by blow of what is, is happening or something interesting that happened that day. And, and something that reporters have been unwilling to directly, um, um, it, it, you know, sort of address is how hard it is to cover him and what are the realities of what has been happening with, with their health, with his health. And, and so I did that and, and, you know, talked about the elephant in the room in that we as reporters are unable to give voters the um, full assessment of his health. Why? Because he has not provided any medical updates um, uh, about his condition and um, and also not been accessible to reporters. Uh, you add that along with not doing a debate, and voters are left not understanding the severity, if there is a severity, um, of his health condition. Now, voters can still make that decision to vote for him, uh, you know, there have been people that have been dead that have been voted into office and have been dead for a while and still mm-hmm. voted into office. Voters do weird things. But voters, our job as reporters are to give you all the information and give you uh, and scrutinize what is happening. And we have been unable to do that. Now, I, this is off the subject, but you mentioned that September 19th, people can begin to vote. Uh, why? Why six that's weeks before the election? Access, that's when they can access um, uh, their mail-in ballots. Yeah. So in theory, right. they could they could vote that day. Now most people don't. Um, yeah. um, most people uh, um, and or they access their absentee ballots. Like there's a lot of people that travel for work and mm-hmm. might not be able and or they're caring for someone. Maybe they're caring for a child or a parent. Um, or they're concerned that, that, you know, something would come up and they wouldn't be able to vote on Election Day. Uh, and, and absentee ballots have always been a large part of, of, of voting in, in Pennsylvania. Uh, but you always had to give a reason. You had to give an excuse. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that, uh, but that is no longer the case. Yeah, I can't remember the specifics, but... Um... 
just recently there was some complaints from the Republicans about the ballot, the 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 uh, physical ballot is going to require two processes when it's returned. I can't remember what it was. It was um, it was your vote plus something else, all on the same sheet, and they were fighting against that. I can't remember what the de- maybe you do. I don't, but. Uh, I missed that. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a complaint from the. Uh, I think I had Hans von Spakovsky on to talk about it, and there's a they're they're playing around with the ballot, the mail-in ballots that are going to make it m- more likely that they can be confused. The ballots can be messed with because it's going to require the counting of the ballot and something else being done with the same piece of paper, so something like that. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll come up with the details for next week or something. Anyway, um, Dick Morris was on the show yesterday, and he said the Republicans should not spend too much time on Fetterman's health, as ridiculous as it is, but they should focus in on his record, especially on crime, because that's that's really ridiculous. Well, his record is important. However, I'm going to just, I I think focus on his health specifically, but transparency about his health, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, when Arthur, who was a Republican senator, then became a, a Democrat and then lost the election. Um, yeah. But when Arlen Specter was uh, our U.S. senator in Pennsylvania, he had a triple bypass, he had a brain aneurysm, and he had not once but two bouts of Hodgkin's disease. And he had a he had a um, a medical doctor out there talking to the press all the time, always giving updates. Same goes with Bob Casey Sr. He had a heart and liver transplant. His medical doctors were always available for the press to talk about with updates to his condition. We have not heard from any doctor um, about um, uh, the, the the sitting lieutenant governor of our state about his health um, and condition, and and that is, you know, it's the lack of transparency from a man who promised nothing but transparency um, that uh, flies in the face of uh, insulting to to the voter. Mm -hmm. Well, the the recent um, murders in Memphis that made uh, the national news by violent felons one of whom was actually accused of first-degree murder, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they were let out of prison early and then uh, have committed murders. Um, and the reaction to that, that can't be good for Fetterman. Uh, I, I guess if he were accessible, that might be the first question to ask him, how he feels about what happened in Memphis. That's exactly my point. We don't know how he feels about issues. We don't have a, his positions on numerous things other than he wants to legalize marijuana. I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, he yeah. is hoping to campaign on on um, via Twitter. And, you know, it could be successful. Joe Biden was successful um, in campaigning um, during COVID. But, you know, COVID was a very specific thing. I think this is going to be different. Well, um, but that, that issue of uh, criminals being let out too early is um, a big one, isn't it? And one that whether he deals with it directly and someone actually gets a chance to ask him a question. But uh, the more the voters are educated uh, about how he feels about that, uh, that can't be good for him, can it? No, absolutely not. Uh, um, uh, Inflation, crime, recession. uh, These are all things that are at the top most important to to voters. And and so being unable to address one of the most critical issues to voters um, is something that should be concerning to a voter as they go into the, the, the voting booth. Where does this person stand? Um, you know, his past has shown that he has stand, stood on a side that is much more left of center uh, than the average Pennsylvania voter. Pennsylvania voters are center-right, um, uh, but, you know, this is to the left of left. Yeah, and, and, and voters are now really just now starting to pay attention. So can he ex- really expect to win by standing by his record and, and some of these ridiculous statements he's made? 
Uh, well, I'm sure he does expect to win. No, but I mean, <laughs> should he expect to win? I'm sure he expects to win. Yeah, well, you know, you're applying logic to <laughs> to voting. Big mistake. And yeah. uh, <laughs> well, that's always a challenge. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, you would you would like to think that a, a voter would be able to be less tribal and vote about what was important to their community and what is important to their safety and their security. However, there are a lot of voters out there who are just going to vote for him because they don't want Mitch McConnell to um, be the, um, the majority leader. I mean, it is as simple as that. We are in that kind of state right now. And, and logic is sort of thrown against the, um, thrown out the window. Yeah, and, and based on what you've seen from Fetterman, uh, could a debate be anything other than a disaster for him? Not just because of his physical abilities or inabilities, but just what he would have to defend and, and whether he would even have an ability to defend it. Look, I, I think we would have even been having this discussion if um, he hadn't had a stroke. I mean, go back and look at the debate between him and Malcolm Kamiata and and Connor Lamb, his his rivals in the Democratic primary. He's a terrible debater. He was <laughs> always a terrible debater. Um, I don't. So it was always going to be a challenge for him. And and this just, you know, makes it worse. Well, um, so we're talking to Selena Zito of selenazito.com and uh Various newspapers, uh, call, uh, Washington Examiner, New York Post, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Um, so uh, I mean, I'm sure I've asked you this before, but the more I see of this guy, how did he get to be lieutenant governor? How, how did it happen that he's even running for the Senate? Oh. And how could Connor Lamb not beat him? Oh, that's very easy. Um, first of all, the only two elections or the the two elections that um, um, Fetterman won handily, the lieutenant governor um, in that primary, but also for the U.S. Senate, is because the, in a Democratic primary, the voters are the, to, to the left of the of of the party. And it requires you to spend a lot of time out on the road and talk to people. I think Lamb's. Um, weakness in that race was that he relied on endorsements more of a traditional like 1990s race as opposed mm-hmm. to getting out there and talking to people and fetterman did that and he was very good at it he upended um a sitting lieutenant governor that's the first time in our history that a lieutenant governor has been primaried out of his seat and that's how he ended up being our lieutenant governor and then he just springboarded that popularity um, into um, the U.S. Senate primary, and they 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 underestimated him. They underestimated, and and they don't sort of the establishment Democrats do not understand their base. I'm not talking about the electorate. I'm talking about their base. They don't know how far the left they are. They don't know what issues are important to them, and that's why Connor Lamb lost. And uh, could it be they're overestimating the intelligence of their voters? I'm not going to comment on that. (laughs) I mean, how anybody, how this guy gets anybody to vote for him is just stunning to me that anybody could consciously go into a voting booth and say, yeah, I I think this guy would make a good U.S. senator. It's amazing to me. And and meanwhile, uh, Selena, how can somebody like uh, Bob Casey, who's who's, uh, the Senate version of Mr. Invisible to to uh, like uh, Connor Lamb, how can somebody like him, who's supposed to be a moderate, I think, he claims to be, he's no, not, but not he claims moderate. to be, he's how can he moderate. support he's... How can he support um, uh, Fetterman with a straight face, uh, other than he's just a Democrat? <laughs> what? It's, it's really easy. Power. He wants to stay in the majority. He wants the yeah. power. He wants that one vote. It doesn't matter if, the, if this is coming at a cost to Fetterman's health. It doesn't matter if it, his viewpoints don't align, align with Fetterman. I can, I can name on my, my um, hand 10 Democrats who have called me and said, oh, but, uh, you, know, uh, the, you know, they don't like Fetterman. They don't like what's mm-hmm. happening. But they can't say that out loud. I, mm-hmm. uh, but this guy is, um, 
They're all doing it for power. Well, if he were Republican with views as radical as his, would the media be as willing to accept him hiding in, in this lack of transparency that you've been talking about? Of course not. We don't know the answer to that. I, uh, you know, it, the, the, my profession, in large part, not always, but in large part, is heavily concentrated in the super zip codes of our country. And it mm-hmm. is, it is. I mean, there's a great Pew study that that shows, and Pew can't, you can't get more, you know, impartial than Pew, and shows that they are left leaning, and and they have. Um, they, they are more aligned with the Democratic Party. And when you are writing, you, you take your geography, which is the super zip codes, and your experiences, which is the um, Ivy League schools, uh, and you combine that with, with being um, more aligned with the Democratic Party than the Republican Party, you are going to write about what you know as uh, favorably to what you know as opposed to favorably about what you don't know. And what they don't know are Republicans. Well, hey, Selena, I'm out of time, but uh, keep plugging away, and uh, maybe maybe you'll be the person to actually get him to answer a question directly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think so. Not after the story I just wrote. I mean, oh, okay. It's not going to happen. <laughs> All right, well, that's okay. I'm, I'll forgive you. Thanks for coming on as usual. I'm sure we'll talk again. Thanks, Selena. Thanks for having me, John. Have a great weekend. You too. That's Selena Zito, and we will be right back. We've all helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO, wants to give back exclusively to his listeners. This is John Stoggerwald. The Percale and Giza Dream bedsheet sets are available in a variety of colors and sizes. They're all on sale for as low as $29.98 with our listener promo code. Order now because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percale and Giza Dream sheets are breathable and they have a cool, crisp feel. These come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-716-8087, use the promo code STAG, or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code STAG. This offer will not last long, so order now with promo code STAG at MyPillow.com for this radio-exclusive offer on all bedsheets. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. People do some pretty cool things things in their 40s and 50s. Why should saving for retirement be any different? I mean, they go back to college, learn new instruments, start skateboarding. Okay, maybe that one's not for everybody, but saving for retirement is. With aceyourretirement.org, you can get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. Just have a three-minute chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach from AARP. You'll get personalized recommendations based on your input that are easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Gnarly move, Dad. Thanks, sweetie. So wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Inflation is soaring. Prices are going up everywhere except Legacy Box. That's right. When our number people wanted us to raise prices, we said heck no. That's un-American. When times get tough, Legacy Box stands strong. Introducing the Legacy Box Inflation Buster Sale. Not $15 a tape, not $12, 9 Yes, just $9 a videotape. We're in a race to save your family's recorded past from the risk of fires, natural disasters, and the decay of time. Don't let this summer's heat age your videotapes, film reels, and fade your photos. Legacy Box saves your memories by professionally converting all your analog formats to digital on thumb drive or the cloud. And it's all done here in the USA. Legacy Box is simple and safe with over a million satisfied customers. For a limited time, you can get started for just $9 a tape. Visit LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to get our $9 sale. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to get our $9 offer. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. 
an agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call Select Quote at 1 800 690 4040. That's 1 800 690 4040. Or go to SelectQuote.com. 1 800 690 4040. That's 1 800 690 4040. Select Quote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, let's finish with some sports. Uh, for the week, the um, Major League Baseball rules changes have gone through. Uh, Major League Baseball has been dead to me for a long time because of the stupidity that uh, has made the Pirates basically a Major League Baseball team in name only, but they're going to have a pitch clock. The pitcher has to get rid of the ball in 15 seconds uh, or less, uh, and it's 20 seconds with a man on base. Uh, no more shifts. You have to have two fielders on each side of the second base, on each side of second base with both feet on the dirt, which is interesting. Uh, and there's also some rules uh, that limit the number of pickoff moves, and they're going to make the bases bigger. So, so. Uh, players might be more interested in stealing bases. It's uh, it's really pathetic. Uh, baseball is such a great game, always has been. No, those changes um, should not have been needed. I I have not I have yet to see a game where uh, that's gone. As I don't watch, I never I never ever watch a major league game. The only thing I see are highlights when I'm in a restaurant or someplace and it's up on the screen. Um, I have not seen a game yet where they start the 10th inning with a runner put on second base, which they do in all extra innings. Um, They didn't have to do any of that stuff if they just would have uh, kept the game uh, sane uh, economically and uh, allowed for all kinds of different teams and uh, styles of teams. Uh, Major League Baseball is a joke, and Major League Baseball, and baseball in general, is a sport that is dying a slow death. Meanwhile, have a good football weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday. Bye. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow fan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.